You are now listening to The Gradient Radio, an open space to converse about creativity with creatives. And I am your host, Antonio Knox. And today, we have a special guest. Today, our guest is a multidisciplinary creative with a focus on photography and cinematography. Today, our guest is Joshua Macklin. <laughs> that intro is insane, bro. <laughs> Thank you, bro. It took like a minute. The pressure is on. <laughs> How are you, G? I'm doing well, man. That's I'm good. glad to be here. Excited. I woke up early this morning, uh, like 6 a.m. You know, just ready to go. Getting some coffee, I see. Yeah. <laughs> You're a coffee lover, right? Nah, I can't drink coffee anymore because I'm old. So now I'm off, I'm off the tea. Are you, on, tea. you on tea now? Yeah. Dad, you you used to be a man of uh, caramel lattes, right? Yeah. Uh, caramel and then the mochas. <laughs> caramel cold, mochas hot. Mm. Yeah. So for people who may not know who Joshua Macklin is, could you introduce yourself? Yes. I am a photographer and DP based out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, been doing this since 2012. Yeah. Wow. Almost you know, almost 10, 10 years. years. Yeah. Uh, 10, 10, 10 years. 10 years. Yeah, um, full-time since 2015, and I haven't stopped ever since. Specialized in uh, fashion photography, portraiture. Um, on the cinema side, I do everything from the, the fashion films to short narrative films all the way through uh, commercial work, the whole deal. So, yeah, that's my life. <laughs> what made you? What made you start? What was it that... What was the catalyst to get you started in this direction? Um, so I got into photography. Well, first I got into videography first. I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, initially, it was just for fun. I just wanted to film with my friends, film myself playing drums, uh, that kind of deal. And then I think I got my first gig in college when I was at Richard Bland. A friend of mine wanted to hire me to do some fashion uh, videos for so I guess that's probably how I started getting into fashion now that I think about it. I didn't really think about it until this moment. But yeah, she hired me to do like a fashion film for her YouTube channel, kind of like a lookbook type of deal. And uh, from there, I kind of just really gravitated towards whatever was bringing me the income. So it was very income driven my career. And I think it's still to this day, it has a lot of those parallels. So uh, right now I'm doing primarily like video stuff because that's just the way the industry is. Yeah. Um, but uh, back then, no one really cared about video too much. She was like one of my only video clients. And from there, um, I guess people just decided to hire me to take take photos because I had a camera that could do it. Um, back then I wasn't that good. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's what kind of really got me into it was just um, just getting out there, somebody recognizing the talent in me, and and then just me trying to see what what I could do with it, what, where I could take it. Yeah, I didn't know you actually started with video. I thought you started with uh, photography because um, when we met, you were doing photography at that time. Yeah, and I didn't know like beforehand you were doing video. Yeah, yeah, I um I got that C three I, but before that. We had uh, these Sony Handycams through the Music Biz Club. We had this like grant with Adobe um, through 4-H, this youth organization I'm a part of. And we had like a task in order to fulfill the grant, we had to create like a series of videos. So that was kind of like my intro into like seriously creating a video. 
Um, we had two of those Sony Handycams, so I got to experiment with like two camera setups and different things like that. But, um, and in fact, I think I might have filmed that fashion short on the Sony Handycam. I don't even know if I had the T3i then. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to go full force with the video creation with filmmaking and, um, yeah, I just went with the flow essentially. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to go about it. Um, so one of your first tools you mentioned that was one of your first cameras was the T3i mm -hmm. and yeah, first camera, yeah. your, your first camera. Tell me about that exploration process of having that T3i. Wow. I remember that vividly, honestly. It was like such a new space coming from playing drums, and that's all I knew was music, 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 to now having this camera in my hand, uh, which before it was just dabbling in like cell phone, whatever that was, cell phone photography at the time. Um, to get the T3i and to experience like really first-generation photographer in my family, no real you know guidance or anything on that and very little information on youtube so it was time, it, yeah. it yeah. was a foreign land i think there was flern and uh fro nose photos mm -hmm. those were like the top youtube photography people at the time so fro nose photos got me into uh shooting raw and learning the manual settings on the camera and then flern was like all about the retouching and editing and photoshop and that kind of deal. But when I first got the camera, I didn't have any of that. I had the camera and I had whatever free photo editing application came on the like 2009 MacBook at the time. Mm. So, and I had that, I had that MacBook for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. It was like 2009 model. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was very, very interesting. And I'm, I'm a technical person. So I think that's kind of what drove me to really master the camera and figure out, how to control it manually. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't spend very much time at all shooting in auto. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of just went right into understanding how to like get the most out of the camera. Um, and then I got the 50 millimeter lens. So that's when I fell in love with that's like the blurry background, bokeh. the bokeh, yeah. the bokeh. Um, and, and, and that was interesting as well because I think up until that point, um, a lot of the storytelling that I was doing was more centered around, I guess, the 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 the, the composition and the the location and the scenery and everything like that because you could I couldn't blur, blur out the background, <laughs> so it wasn't ever a time where I was like, oh, we'll just put it at one eight and I'll shoot this portrait here and it's still gonna look fire. Yeah, facts. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that was a good thing during that time, to be honest. Yeah. You know, now thinking back, in fact, I don't even recommend people pick up the 50 millimeter as their first lens. Really? No, not at all. I recommend zoom lenses. Okay. Um, because it's so versatile, yeah. and you can um now not necessarily the kit zoom lens, but if that's what you you start out with, I mean, obviously, you know, you can make it do what it do with that lens too. But zoom lenses for versatility for sure. I I went through the whole gamut of all of that after after i got used to the 50 millimeter then i got gear acquisition syndrome because i'm making money now with photography or so i thought i was making money <laughs> i was making enough to buy more gear yeah. um pretty much all the money was going back into that but yeah i think that camera just opened up my mind to what was possible yeah 
Um, and then the hacker in me ended up putting that, uh, oh, goodness, what's the name of that software? Um, I don't know if you remember that, where you could put it on your camera yeah. and, yeah. and it would open up. Yeah. It would open up like the, uh, the, the it's like almost like jailbreaking the but, camera. Michelle, yeah, I remember, yeah. What was that? Yeah, it just kind of like opened. I don't remember the name, but I remember like what you're talking about. Kinda, yeah. It gave you more features. Right. Yeah, just like possibilities to be able to do something with your camera. Right. Yeah. So I had did that whole nine, and that that just I think I think not having a lot of money at the time really allowed me to maximize what I had and figure it out, mm-hmm. so that when the time came for me to pick up some new gear, I had a greater appreciation for that that new equipment, and and I already knew kind of like how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, it just yeah. made things easier. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it did. You know, back in my photography days, that's when we kind of met when I was doing uh, Daniel's shoot, his uh, engagement shoot. Yeah. And uh, I remember us uh, conversing, and then we kind of, like, geeked about, like, Visco. That was, like... That was a game changer. That was the game changer. Yeah, when I met you and you showed me that, I was like, bet. <laughs> <laughs> Faded everything. Yeah. Grain on everything. <laughs> I mean, because that was like the the hipster look at the time. Like we yeah. we, because at the time we didn't realize that we can do that in Photoshop. Right. But like it was so it was so it was so much more accessible and easier to do it on Visco that it was kind of like yeah a game changer for everyone. That was before the Wi-Fi transfer on the app. You actually had to get the card. Yeah. That orange. Yep. The orange joint. Yeah. I don't even. Remember. I, I, I used it once and I lost it. I was mad. What was it? I don't, even remember I don't remember what that the was name, called. but I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, you plug yeah. that in, then now you have Wi-Fi. You yeah. connect to that card, and you can transfer, transfer the images yeah. and edit right in Visco. Yeah. And that was like, that's that changed that changed everything. Because yeah. then now, like, I'm getting into, I guess, the more technical space of editing, understanding colors, and how to, you know, basically adjust the image in in a way that that I was envisioning in my mind without limitation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, you're definitely taking me down a journey of like things I forgot about. You know, jailbreaking the camera, the the memory card with the Wi-Fi on. Yeah. Um. That 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 was a different time. It you was. Know, technology has really advanced within like these last couple of years. Absolutely. Um. And I think, I think, the the technology industry. Um is is a great thing I, some people have like mixed reviews because they they're making photography so easy but like i don't think it should be a the tech the technology should not be a barrier to like an artist creating yeah um so i, I love what's happening with cameras right now in fact i own a mirrorless camera now <laughs> yeah. and it's it's quite it's a lot like shooting with a phone yeah um but at the same time you you it just opens up so much more possibility like yeah. you can create amazing looking content now and not have to have a ton of money to do it yeah which is awesome i would honestly like when we first started i never thought you would get a mirrorless camera because you were so canon and at the time canon wasn't doing mirrorless cameras it was not like only sony's or like the luminix of the world's right sony and canon wasn't like into that space um so just to see like the evolution of like not only the technology but like the type of equipment that you use in particular um from that time that we met with uh, Daniel, um, it seemed like, from from my perspective, it seemed like you said you were taking pictures, you were doing all of this, but it seemed like your technical skills, but also like what you were creating, just kind of like skyrocketed, like over the course of like months. It seemed like, could you 
kind of like dive into that process of like how you became so good you you did a little bit with saying like you're just you were like a technical a person and with the cameras that you were using you were always using it in manual mode so I, I guess in many ways you were um what's the what's the word i want to say uh, you just you just knew what you were you just knew what you knew you yeah. were getting better by just like doing different things could you speak about that process right i think what the basis of it is the mentality of like I guess it's something inside of me that hates not being able to understand or not being able to do something. Yeah. And that, that, that idea of like, it's nothing that I can't do or can't figure out. Like I have to be able to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I think that's was, that was the driving force probably behind um, my obsession with all of those things to where I was able to take the foundation of what I was learning off YouTube, which you showed me with Visco, um, and just being around folks, um, seeing the process. Um, I, I guess it was it was it was beneficial at the start that I was able to reach out and touch um different folks to get to get that inspiration and, and, and a sense of tangibility to what I was doing. Yeah. Um and once I was able to touch it that's when I knew in my mind for sure that I like had to go crazy with it. Yeah. So I think from from that point on, it was study, 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 practice, practice, practice. I remember times where, um, like <laughs> before this, and, and to create like a, a parallel comparison. Before this, it was drums. People never saw me without my practice pad and my sticks. So I'm constantly like trying to get better. Um, this is this is like during like marching band days sure, and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm pr practicing rudiments, all of the different things, reading music, all that kind of stuff, constantly, constantly. And I think I took that same practice and took it to my you know camera work, photography, videography, whatever. And I constantly had the camera in my hand. I'm at VCU. I'm walking around, shooting in manual trying to dabble in different areas of photography, doing street stuff, portraiture with my friends. Um, and I think it was the idea of just like never stopping that creation um, that kind of just helped me to, I guess, what it seemed like I just excel, but I really just, I'm just putting in constant hours. Yeah. Um, I guess at a, a more con consistent rate than I guess what a normal sane person would do. For, for sure. You had a passion for it. Yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, I, I noticed the change in your work because at one point, once you found out about Visco, you were obviously like using Visco, but I think there was a shift when you started to use um, Lightroom, mm -hmm. right? And when you started to focus more on like high fashion and the portraits that you said that you were taking at VCU, I think the first one that I saw that was, that was like, like, uh, uh, mind-blowing like what's like the cure please joint oh that was a game changer that, that was like a game changer there because it was like it was it was completely night and day from like what you were taking before to like what you took at that point could you speak to that yeah so there's a lot of um i guess emphasis i place on that photo because it was like a pivot point in my career like just as you said not just visually but just mentally that photo went crazy mm -hmm. and at that time Kiara was popular but it, 
like it wasn't to the point of like where she is now at almost a million followers and and that kind of deal so for that photo to go like that during that time when i guess like uh, this tumblr was big yeah it it was on tumblr right yeah Yeah. it went big on tumblr um and then from there it kind of just went out into the stratosphere people painting it writing poems about it um daniel that we were just talking about daniel robertson he has um some paintings in his house i think still right now that some random person did um of that image really yeah it's like a mixed medium type of type of thing but yeah just seeing all of the outpour of um support and just like you said people just you know so 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 in love with those images just made me realize like yo i really have a opportunity to make a difference with the work that i'm doing and i think that was probably the first time in my life where i felt like um i was really doing something worthwhile like something like purpose built mm-hmm. you know like something that i can really say oh yeah this is me yeah um and that felt really good because 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 before that is you know it's just exploration it's just trying to figure it out dabbling here dabbling there yeah. you know i've been a musician my whole life but never in my life had i felt like how that entire experience made mm-hmm. me feel and i'm not gonna lie that was like fuel was a very addicting feeling mm-hmm. and i think now it was let me chase after the next thing sure. what how do we top that yeah um and 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 that journey just continued yeah. fashion photography the same thing um that was more like artistic portraiture but it allowed me to get noticed and have like a proof of concept to show to different folks and it just so happened that we had a nice fashion scene mm-hmm. you know within the area um, and people really doing it at that time. Ink Magazine was really doing it yeah. on VCU campus, and the people that were there were very serious. Like most of them working in that in that arena now, and um, just like the technical piece of it, just uh, getting into trying to create those Vogue-esque looking images just drove the art and exploration of light and shaping light and and all of those things like through the roof. Honestly, yeah, because. I remember that you guys shot that picture of her in her dorm room, right? Absolutely. Yep, my cousin Sky was with me. We we didn't think anything of it. We thought it was just gonna be, you know, a nice Tumblr shoot, mm-hmm. very Tumblr esque. Um, a friend of mine, Alex, who was the first model who ever gave me uh, a shot. <laughs> I was cold emailing tons of people, and you know, she was the first one that actually let me photograph her seriously and she had some input on the creative behind that as well Alex I mean Skylar was there we were in her dorm and just moved all the furniture out the way I had like shoe mount flashes then I was shooting with just like the little flashes that go on top of the camera yeah um and some umbrellas I want to say like some shoot through umbrellas mm-hmm. um and that's and that's all we had yeah <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't really tell. Once you told me you shot that in the dorm, I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. That showed me you could, if you have an idea and you don't limit yourself, you can honestly, like, shoot anywhere. Absolutely. That's, that's what that showed me. Because I thought I needed, like, the greatest of the greatest equipment to be able to do what, like, the higher people were doing in the, in the world, like, the fashion world, so just, like, photography in general. Right. But, like, I think that showed me was, like, man, like, if you can do this 
in a dorm you can any anywhere basically absolutely i i think that's incredibly important to to for people to understand that like the only difference between that gear and the gear that i use now is it just makes things easier mm -hmm. it saves time you know um that's it but I mean, how would you even know that if you didn't? Exactly. If you didn't have to go without, and 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 that uh, at that time, man, it wasn't any middle ground like equipment. It was the stuff I had, or you spending thousands of dollars. Yeah. Now we have a a lot in between, thanks yeah. to you know advances in technology and stuff like that. But just to your point, you can really do it with whatever you got as yeah. long as you had a vision. Yeah. So at that point, did you switch to the 60? Were you at the 60 at that point? Or when was the point that you switched to 60? I didn't get the 6D until I think it was a little bit after I was about to graduate. Well, but right before I was about to graduate. Okay. So at that point, you were still doing a T3i? Yeah. I ran my business with the T3i for a couple of years, mm. actually. Yeah. 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 Like 20. I think 2014, I was still shooting T3i, mm -hmm. I want to say. And then I remember I got the 6D not too long before I went out to L.A. for uh -huh. the first time okay. to work out there. Um, yeah, I remember getting that 6D. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. think, did I buy that used? Yeah, it was a used one, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have, this. I think this is the first camera I bought new. No, the EOS R I bought new, too. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll always buy used gear. I still do if I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Save you a lot more money. Heck yeah. And it still works. Yep. Yeah. So you bought the 60 and I could tell that there was like an emphasis on fashion, high fashion, uh, shoots. And earlier you spoke about shaping lights, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's different to shoot outside when you have like natural lighting, but like when you shoot inside, you need different types of lights, reflectors and stuff like that. Um, it's a much different process, and I know like it probably wasn't easy at first. Could you speak to the journey of you shooting inside with like lights in yeah. studio? Yeah. So, to your point earlier, it really started with like whatever I had. I was using like ut utility shop lights um, in my room, mm -hmm. and um, actually did the reverse. I focused in on studio lighting before I even paid attention to what I was doing in natural light mm -hmm. like I, that wasn't my focus at all so I kind of did it backwards okay. um, so I was primarily focused on doing that um, and just learning how to get the most pleasing light with, with the harsh lights that I had and then that translated into what what I do today essentially um, with just pretty much taking taking the light sources that I have and trying to find the lighting that's most pleasing to the subject and and just to get to get back on it because I know I'm like all over the question but um, I think the process for me has always been to start off with one light and I still do this even even if I have like a more complex lighting setup that I'm going to build out I always start with my main light first and understanding like what that's doing to the subject mm -hmm. and for me um, I've gotten to the point now where I can just know what where I want to place the lights and how it's going to look, what power they need to be at, what f-stop I need to be at without even having to really build in the light as much. But um, to start off, one singular light and mastering what that does, moving it around the subject, understanding like 
exactly what that light is doing. Um, I think it's incredibly important to have a subject or someone that you can work with on a consistent basis um, just so you can kind of, one, they understand that like you're, you're learning this stuff. They have the patience, that kind of deal. And then two, um, it's just like chemistry with anything else. Um, if you keep switching out your band members, you'll never really mesh. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing, I think, when, when, you're, when you're learning this stuff, to have a consistent group of people or a con- consistent model or whatever the case may be that you work with on a regular, it's really um, beneficial to be able to hone in on whatever skill, um, especially when it comes to lighting, because mm-hmm. the face is not going to change. Mm-hmm. The lighting going to be the only thing that changes. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just a matter of exploration for me. That's what it was. Just like trying new things, being a visual person. I'm grabbing, at that time, magazines, different things, grabbing pages out of those, referencing them, trying to replicate the light. That's all I'm doing is replication. Um, I see some inspiration on a Zara ad in the mall, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, okay, bet I'm about to go back, and I'm going to try to recreate that exact thing so like i never was a person where it was like it has to be completely original yeah you know it was more so of like let me figure out how to master this Mm -hmm. and then it becomes a part of me and then obviously i'm unique Mm -hmm. so the 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 work is gonna be uniquely mine um you know maybe not that shoot but like some more shoots down the line sure so that's kind of like the process of just obsessing over an artistic style of whoever it is that I'm looking at at the time and then trying to go and then recreate that that look and feel. Yeah. And it just comes out feeling like me regardless. Yeah. yeah. So I can imagine at that time too as you were basically honing your craft, you were also getting clients too um from different types of clients. And you you know you spoke earlier about you were getting clients but you weren't charging the way you were charging, potentially charging now or getting to what you charge now. What What's the journey of figuring out your worth in that process of like understanding the business side, but also knowing that you're, you're really good at what you're doing. You're really good at what you're doing. Yeah. I would say in general, it never stops because as you elevate, you, you, it's, it's just new territory for sure to where like I feel like I'm in that in that same thing again right now because I'm just getting into commercial work and understanding like the different various things with that usage I didn't even realize that you could charge more if weekend work was required mm-hmm. um, different things like that that you have to keep in mind um, and how those negotiations work it's very it's very it's a whole different world you know um, it's the game of like what's your budget what do you charge? What's your budget? You know, that back and forth and they never mean, yeah. <laughs> they never wanna say it. Um and I started out uh charging I think like twenty five dollars an hour or mm. something like that for photography. And looking back at my work, it was probably worth twenty five dollars <laughs> an hour. <laughs> um no but I'm just kidding. It's probably it was probably worth more than that, but at the time, I felt like that's what was, you know, that was a good rate because I was making, from the music where I was making like $100 a show, mm-hmm. you know, playing so drums. You're just comparing it to. You're right. Yeah. When, when in reality, there's absolutely no comparison. There's no comparison. It's, it's, you know, one of the earliest things, too, like when it came to that, 
it's like when I would charge something, people will always try to compare it to like a, a regular job. So like if I was charging like $100 an hour, people would be like, well, for a regular job, people only charge this. It's it, Like you said, like you, it's not the same. You can't really compare the two. You cannot. Excuse me. You can't really compare the two. It's, it's vastly different. Yeah, absolutely. And now what I'm realizing is, well, it's not just now, but the theme of my life has been like no hourly. Like, no, no, I don't do hourly. I stopped that, bro. Like, you can't really break it down in that way. Mm-mm. Like, there's certain packages that I, I still offer, but it's starting to get less and less. Like, I went from having, like, tiers of packaging uh, for my photography work and video work into now it's just, like, one base mm-hmm. with add-ons. Yeah. Um, which only goes out to, like, your everyday type of People. thing. Yeah. Um, when you get into the commercial world, they're not seeing none of that. Nah. We're, we're, we're going negotiation first For sure. um, because at the end of the day, every budget is different. Every ask is different. Um, and this stuff might see four million people, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Yeah. So, um, you know, Lights the scale is just it's just all over the place. It's not a, it's not a package mm-hmm. kind of um, environment. Yeah, and I'm learning that it's based on the project. Yeah, it's, it's project based, absolutely. And I'm learning that even even in uh, for small business, it, it it can be relatively the same way too. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a journey, and I think it's going to continue to be that way always as I elevate. Hopefully, thank you God. So, <laughs> um, continue to elevate. You know, it's just always understanding. I think um, it's a it's important for for us as the creative community to not be gatekeepers of information. Um, now, do I do I think you should just broadcast your race out on your website? Absolutely not. But like when you have a young, you know, filmmaker or whatever come up to you and and they're talking numbers, I don't think we should ever shy away from you know being transparent. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day. A lot of us are first generation, mm-hmm. so we don't have anybody else to ask. We don't have anybody to have our backs with this thing. So, it, the much, the the more information we share, the better off we'll be yeah. um, as a community. And really, realistically, that helps me mm-hmm. because if so and so is out here blazing but charging fifty per, fifty to seventy five percent less of what I'm charging, mm-hmm. that's gonna bring the market value yeah, down. It's gonna bring you up. So. In, in the spirit of transparency, it helps everybody. It helps them, and it helps you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear, like, with some jobs, they have a a policy in which you shouldn't speak about, you know, what you make. Um, but what people have come to realize, if like, if you ask a person, like, what they're making, and they, they tell you, then you can kind of, like, gauge the, the market. So, like, if one person is making, like, $50,000 and another person is making, like, $85,000, you see what that person is making and you see what that person is making and you could be like, well, we're doing the same job. So I should be making the same thing. And so you can go to like your person or your boss or like super HR and be like, yo, like this person is making this, like I should be making the same thing. And so like what you said basically is like people should be able to speak about like what they're making. So it doesn't bring the market down. One person is not getting paid less than the next person, right. especially if you're doing the same job the same way the same experience and so like i think that that's truly valuable to be able to speak about um that process that part of the process when it comes to money 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think particularly in the black community, we really don't talk about money, money at all. Yeah. Like not even within our families. Mm-hmm. For real, for real. It's it's very like um a very sensitive subject to talk about, which I mean rightfully so, you know, historically we've been struggling for a while, you know. Still, for sure. Um and still and still are and and I, pretty much all of us can reach out and touch a family member that's you know Facts. in poverty right now yeah um so i think it's important for us to do it within the community and within our families as well yeah you know earlier you spoke about how you started with a someone hired you to do like a, a video of like some fashion work mm-hmm. you know i really thought you started like fashion work um just due to fashion video work due to like instagram right but now seeing like it was kind of like a full circle moment that like you started with the fashion area with video and then like once instagram started to like implement different kinds of ways of like doing video it seemed like you really attacked that and how that was like i thought i thought that was like also i i for me i also thought that was like another like momentum shift for you and like your 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 uh career but it seemed like it wasn't. It was. It was something that you were always doing or intending to do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is a very multi-layered question right here <laughs> because there's like it's like yes and no. Um, I think at the end of the day, I just love working with people, so that kind of what drove me towards fashion because it's very team-based and it's and it's easy to get that scale of production even on a smaller level because you know you have your makeup artist stylist hair um all of that 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 kind of deal several models um it's very community feeling um at the, at the time i think i fell into the right environment or the right you know group of people because the entire fashion industry isn't so like loving and, and welcoming um and uplifting at times um but i think with to 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 your point and maybe not to your point it with the 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 evolution of instagram because there was a time where that wasn't even the platform where i was posting my photos like i was posting them mostly on facebook mm. um and tumblr and things like that but um with the evolution of instagram and the, the various ways that we can share content that has vastly transformed the way i shoot um, the way we think about like concepts and, and content delivery, um, planning, um, length, v- content length mm-hmm. has dramatically decreased yeah. um, s- since we first started. I remember there was nothing for people to sit there and watch a seven minute video mm-hmm. um, back in the day. And now it's like you'd be lucky if you give them to watch seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that has dramat- dramatically changed the way we create as well. We're also filming um, in portrait orientation, mm-hmm. like at a significantly increased rate yeah. because of the, you know, Instagram reels, TikTok, um, Instagram stories. Yeah, no one's turning their phones. Yes, yeah. it has evolved. And and for me personally, in my personal Instagram, with the with me trying to build my media company now, I'm in a space of where I am trying to do a shift of of people and i'm noticing like dips in my content in terms of interaction um 
So like, and I'm still working on this is like fresh. Nobody even knows that that's this is what I'm doing right now. So I'm throwing out little, you know, Macklin Media here, Macklin Media here. Um, my website is kind of like gearing a little bit more towards that now. Now I have instead of just like um, an email, I have a contact sheet with the Macklin Media branding, and it has several questions on it. And I've switched over to a CRM, and um, I think with 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 Instagram and social media in general, it has it has de- definitely greatly influenced. But um, it still is all completely driven on what my life is centered, centered around, like in terms of what I like to create. Mm-hmm. So all right now I'm doing a lot of fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, and it's been a shift in my Instagram. And the, the interactions have been kind of up and down with that kind of thing. Um, so I've been trying to, you know, give the people what they're used to seeing. But also I'm really interested in, in the fitness space right now. So I'm like experimenting with that. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point a lot of my stuff and I think that's what keeps me going and and feeling like you know keeps the passion going Mm -hmm. because I'm not just like chasing the dollar completely it's always been about what I care about at the time yeah um that's why I never really fully uh uh I don't know the right word but like I I never really fully identified with being a fashion photographer per se because because of that thing it was just what i was loving at the time yeah and there's nothing against what i was doing at the time i don't want to like take away from it because i I was extremely passionate about it at the time but i just my passions are very fluid like Mm -hmm. i kind of just keep going Mm -hmm. you know i never get really fully i guess locked in like this is all i'm gonna do or nothing for sure (laughs) kind of thing which has been helpful in my business yeah 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 i mean it also gives you like other jobs right like right more 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 things to do because you know more things absolutely you, you know people ask me that all the time like because i've done like so many different things and I, and I believe like there's like a a season for like every particular thing right and right now i'm just kind of like focused on like this radio show and like the the app and the platform and people ask me because people ask me because i i released a movie like last year and like people like when are you going to do another movie I, when are you going to do another movie and i'm like Maybe if there's like another season for that, maybe I'll come back to that. Like I never want it to be like one singular thing. Like mm-hmm. I never wanted to be like or oh, a photographer because you know people used to say that. Oh, like here's like Antonio Knox, he's a videographer. I didn't, I never wanted to be like that. Or he's a graphic designer. I never just wanted to be that like one fixed thing. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I like just just like you. I just like I love to create. I love to create whatever. It is like whatever I see, whatever I want to like try to like implement. I just like love to create, and I just like call myself a creator at the end of the day because I focus on like so many different things. Yeah, and it's just like a season for that. Like you know, it's a season when you're just doing um, workout stuff. Like it was a season when you were doing uh, fashion stuff. It was a season when you're just doing like different kinds of video stuff. So like, I I completely agree, and I'm on that same wave too. It's like yo, like it's just a different season for something something but i'm not like this one thing right i'm not i'm not just this one thing yeah well we are is create we are creators Mm -hmm. um and i think that is the umbrella that you can put us under facts (laughs) because whether it's me with a camera me with drums me with building you know different pieces of furniture or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah you're you're definitely a builder bro (laughs) like 
like it's just creating yeah um yeah yeah i love it yeah that's kind of aspect i believe that's what we're kind of like here for i think we're here to serve but also we're here to like create too, create too, and um to be able to have an idea and to to see that to for for, for fruition i'm sorry uh, to see that to fruition, um, it's like a, a great process. Yeah, it's a great process. Something cred- incredibly rewarding about uh, creating something, yeah, <laughs> whatever that may be, yeah. you know, small or, or large, you know, it's it's just something that is fulfilling about it um, that I can't describe anything else that makes me feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you know in the beginning that you needed people when it came to photography? Um, because I know, like, for me, like, when I was doing photography, it was just, like, only me, mm-hmm. right? But you spoke about, and kind of, like, the, the fashion world, per se, or just, like, the type of photos you were taking that you needed people to facilitate. Um, and, or, like, you, you started to get people to help you in the process of, like, taking photos. Yeah. Um, when was that? When did you realize? When did, when did you come to that conclusion? That I needed people? Or that you, it would be much more beneficial to have a team with you yeah after experiencing burnout um i've actually experienced it a couple times one time i um was when i was in school um then recently again um last year i ended up not doing anything for like six months after that Mm. and um now coming into this year i just realized like the busier I get, the more help I need. Um, also, aside from that point alone, the the more the more eyes, the more creative eyes you have on a particular project, the better it's going to be. So now the theme of my life has been to outsource, outsource, outsource as much as I possibly can. Build out a team that can help me load in equipment, set up lights. Um, eventually I hope that I'll have someone to be able to even talk to the clients and and do that whole negotiation process back and forth so that I can spend time more time creating and less time on the admin because we were talking off of camera about how like that's been like taking up my life these past few months pretty much since like the top of the year it's just like admin 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 building out all of these different templates and um, you know all the negotiation processes and figuring out what to charge and getting a, a crew index of all these people that I can reach out to um, to subcontract through my company. It's just been a lot of a lot of that, and that is very, very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was really the turning point, just after experiencing those, those burnouts. But to your point, I was the same way, one-man band, and it was almost like a prideful – type of thing like oh he can do it all he can he can shoot it he can do the photos at the same time he can edit all that stuff together he's gonna set up the lights and do that do that do that do that and after a while you just get exhausted it's a lot bro it's honestly that's why i stopped it was just a lot it's a lot very very it's a reason why on these productions they have all of these people they have someone to even just set up the camera for you yeah you know someone to change the lens for you mm-hmm. it's a reason why and now now that i'm scaling my business and getting clients that require a lot more of me mentally mm-hmm. um 
it, it, it makes sense to have, have those different folks doing that stuff, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So you also do weddings. Yes, I still do. Still do weddings. Yes, I do. Um, there's a lot I like about weddings. There's a lot I don't like about weddings, um, which I am outsourcing now. So I really enjoy um, getting to know people in general um, in that interaction throughout the day. Uh, capturing, you know, in a documentary style, and and I I don't necessarily enjoy the the pose the pose part of it, um, of like po- having, having having people pose like staged stage type of uh, shots. And I think here recently that my my couples have been noticing that in my work, and I I'm starting to get more people that understand that, and that's what they're looking for anyway for the poses for. For the opposite okay. of like more of a documentary style, more of, um, you know, an authentic authenticity behind the work. Um, and then for the stuff that I don't like, like culling through thousands of images and uh, editing for hours and, and hours and hours, um, outsource, you know, it's, it's just one of those things I'm realizing, like, I can create the life I want and charge whatever. I need to charge to uh, offset so that I still make the money that I, that I need. Excuse me. <clears throat> so I still make the money that I, that I need to make. And at the same time, the client is happy and I don't feel like, Oh, I'm so exhausted from doing this. Like I'm overshooting weddings mm-hmm. because I just outsource the parts that I don't like to do. I'm, I'm kind of like iffy, like when it comes to weddings, because you know, being in a space for about like eight to 10 hours, Especially, I, don't, I do video. I've only did photography for, I mean, you probably do video too at weddings too, mm-hmm. but um, I only did photography for like one wedding and I that was just like enough for me. Like I was here for like 12 hours and I got paid pennies because I didn't understand at the time the value of like, the value of, of shooting a wedding. Um, But like even now when people ask me to, to do weddings, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good um, because like you said like you know we have control of like the life that we want to live and when I realized that I stopped doing like logos for like $25 I stopped doing like websites for like dumb cheap um, I honestly like my first logo that I did was like $10 and my mother told me it was like that was like just too cheap to do that like just <laughs> yeah. Too, too cheap. You can't even buy a, a meal from Chick Fil A for that. I don't think nowadays you can barely get it. Not, not, not with this inflation. <laughs> not with this you're inflation. Not get, you're not getting over two gallons of gas. No, no. So, um, I just kind of like stepped away from that stuff and just I only showed the work that I wanted to do. So, like, if I wanted to do video, that's the type of work I showed. Um, and even then, like, I'm really trying to get away from video too to be to be able to have the ability to work remotely um and in many ways you can't do that with video unless you're like doing editing work right um but i i just i want to do less work but make a lot more money and i'm just really trying to figure out a way creatively to be able to do that um so i'm only showing things that i just want to like focus on and to be able to obtain clients that way yeah so how do you how do clients find you? Is it word of mouth? Is it, is it through, through like your website? Um, is it through like 
social media? How do you get your clients? So the vast majority of my clients come through Instagram, uh, almost like a direct funnel from Instagram, uh, very rarely through the website. And then I would say second to Instagram is word of mouth. Now, I'm working on in this in this next half of the year uh, shifting or well, not necessarily shifting from Instagram, but in addition to that, starting to develop uh, organic leads or just like, you know, leads outside of outside of Instagram, whether it be running ads for my media company, um, you know, sending out cold emails, that kind of deal um, to different you know companies and things like that letting them know what we can offer them kind of deal. Um, but right now, as the analytics show <laughs> on my CRM, everything's coming through Instagram for the most part. For people who may not know what a CRM is. Customer relationship management is a tool specifically for that. I use HoneyBook. Um, there's a bunch of stuff out there. HoneyBook is probably the most expensive of, of the tools that are available to like freelance companies. Uh, but it's very it's very user friendly. I don't have to think about it. It has an app that was very important for me to be able to like, you know, on my phone, contract, put a whole proposal together, an invoice contract, the whole deal, brochures, um, automated emails, that kind of deal, um, and it, it just elevates the the client mm -hmm. experience. So they feel like you know a little bit more secure when we're throwing out these larger numbers. It feels a lot better than just coming from a Gmail yeah. or whatever. Yeah. when it feels a little bit more polished. And even though the numbers are there and the work is there and it's all the same, it's just a presentation, um, which just elevates perceived value. Yeah, I'm, I'm big into perceived value. I, I've, I've made YouTube videos about it. Perception is everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that, that can separate, because you see it all the time. There's a lot of people out here creating trash work, but they got their stuff together. And and the presentation is there. Yeah. Um, you know, they got the everything looks grandiose. Mm -hmm. You know, they got the team and and that kind of deal and, and they're winning they're winning these projects. Because mm -hmm. the people that are paying for these things are usually not artists. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they could care less or yeah. they don't even know to, to care. Mm -hmm. You know, um they they can only go off of what they perceive. Yeah. So it's so important to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people know, but I always tell people, like, when, whenever you leave the house, leave presentable. Because, like, people have a perception of you. Absolutely. But also, like, when it comes to, like, your work, too, and, like, that's why branding is so, like, pivotal. Because people look at something within, like, three seconds, they already made their mind about, like, what this is or, like, what this person can, like, deliver. Who you are as a person. Exactly. Which is scary. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, like, per perception is means a lot more than people might want to believe in so like always look your best always put your best work forward um and make sure like it, it looks good right at the end of the day you only have one chance to make that first impression mm -hmm. um and really you only have one chance to mess it up yeah because at the end of the day they might they you, they you know you might be able to smooth things over but they still have that idea in your mind in their minds about you yeah so it's so important i can't stress that enough like it's helped me so much in my business and just like adding little things you know client comforts on on set and you know different different things like that that just help to elevate just having a team mm -hmm. already makes you feel 
Like, it doesn't matter, you know. They don't know the background of these people. They don't know if they are really versed in what they're doing or not. Now, naturally, I'm hiring people that are because that otherwise, what's the point yeah. if I have to show them how to do everything? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it all matters. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Do you believe in affirmations? Yes. I do. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's Especially, I don't even know if I believe in, like, outwardly expressing them to the world Mm -hmm. but like definitely in my quiet time for sure so if i if i ask you to affirm if i ask you to affirm some things for your future right now Mm -hmm. would you not out out really do it (laughs) no um so as far as like what you see for yourself yeah in the future like what the type of things that you you want to accomplish the things that you your intentions yeah so right now, the biggest ones for me have been um, creating the bandwidth. So I, I see myself with more bandwidth to do the things that I enjoy that don't necessarily involve work. <laughs> um, and, and with that, that's, that's going to be when my, my company is, is a well-oiled machine where I can not necessarily have to be on set every time. Uh, for things and and I see I see for myself my business will be a a umbrella of of, of a myriad of things is is what I'm envisioning and what I'm affirming for myself um, and what that umbrella will allow me to do is just have a better quality of well I wouldn't say a better quality of life but in my in my affirmations, I say a better quality of life for sure. for, for for my sake. I mean, your life is not terrible now, but like no. I get what you're saying. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Like, no, I'm not. And that's the thing. Like sure, yeah, yeah. that's cause my affirmations. That's why I kind of keep them inside because yeah. it's like for me. Yeah. And what I what I want what I want to see my life look like, and, and that and that's having uh having free time, having that st- stability of whatever my vision of stability is um and 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 an incredibly flexible schedule Mm -hmm. so those are the things that i've been affirming for like the past year that's good what would you say to a person who's just like starting out starting from like where you started what type of gym would you drop to them um to continue to go forward to what would you say to inspire what would you say to yourself like when you first started like what gym would you drop mm. or gyms yeah myself then and and myself now first starting out would be completely different because of the climate of everything for sure um yeah speak to that beginning person to that beginning that, person that starter person i would i would say i'm going to i'm going to i'll just speak to like relevancy now cuz i think what i would say to myself back then would be a, a lot different um but i'll touch on that too sure. but but for now i would say to eliminate all fear or or just not even eliminate it but just walk towards it walk walk through those doors ask those questions um be in an uncomfortable space and don't be afraid to get to hear no essentially um i think that that was a big a big thing for me as as um when i was first starting out is just like the fear of rejection and the fear of like losing a client and, and that kind of deal and 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 I think that kept me I, I had to start back a lot further in terms of like pricing like imagine just 
having to elevate your price from twenty five dollars, mm. you know, versus saying starting out even it's just five hundred dollars or whatever the case may be. Um, so just just walk walk towards that fear. Don't be afraid to 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 do things that scare you a little bit. Um, I would also say to myself, collaboration um, should be at the at the forefront always. Um, reach out to the people that you look up to and assist them figure out whatever you can do to get on those sets whatever you can do to reach out and touch the things that you are inspired by um we have access to so much now like in terms of people um at high levels just off of instagram twitter that kind of deal and these folks are reading their comments Mm -hmm. um and and yes you're gonna get a lot of no's but at the at the end of the day if you're still constantly you know, taking those steps towards progressing and you're reaching out to people, eventually you're going to get an Alex. You're going to get somebody that's going to say yes and gonna and that they're going to take you in. There's tons of information on YouTube as well. I'm a huge prom- proponent of that. Mm-hmm. Study, study, study. Obsess over your work, like endlessly. Even if you have to burn out. I think burnout is good because you grow <laughs> at some point. <laughs> you grow through it. But um, obviously avoid burnout if you can. <laughs> but if, if that's what it takes, you know, just work endlessly at um, perfecting your craft. I think with this microwave stuff that we have going on right now, there's a lot of, of, of kids that, all right, I watched three videos on TikTok, three videos on YouTube. I know how to do this, this, and that. I can move my camera around and, and get the TikTok viral movements. And now I'm a filmmaker. No. You have to really, like, be serious and learn the fundamentals and understand what it is that you are doing because the camera is an an incredibly powerful tool. It's not something I feel like, if you're going to do it as a career, it's not something that you should take lightly. Mm -hmm. You need to really understand whatever it is, whatever industry that you decide to go in, you need to understand all aspects of it. So just obsess over um, that understanding and, and explore, exploration. Um, and lastly, save yourself a lot of money. Do not go out here buying a lot of gear. Um, I would strongly suggest that you get a nice versatile setup, camera and a zoom lens. And if you're doing video, you're gonna need some sort of audio equipment. Get, get whatever you need to get for that and master it master that shoot with it until your work requires you to 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 get something else and then make the client pay for it yeah that's it right there that's it (laughs) hey man i appreciate you coming out taking some time um it was great to hear your journey even though like i saw parts of it but to be able to see the the very beginning um to, to see your growth over the years has been like an incredible um incredible process um i'm I'm a witness to like the greatness that you constantly spill out to people and but also like the the images that you share the the videos that you share um it's it's like you're dope bro thanks you're you're dope bro um my name was my name was my name is antonio knox that's joshua macklin and uh this was the gradient radio